Congress recently introduced the Medicare Common Access Card Act of 2015, which is proposed legislation to establish a smart card pilot program under the Medicare program. Among other things, the legislation aims to reduce the potential for identity theft and other unlawful uses of Medicare beneficiary ID information. It also aims to reduce waste, fraud, and abuse in the Medicare program. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Kelly Emmerich, Executive Director of the Secure ID Coalition, an affiliation of companies providing digital security solutions for identification documents, including smart cards. Kelly will discuss how the Medicare Common Access Card legislation, if passed, could potentially help reduce Medicare fraud as well as identity theft and fraud involving Medicare beneficiaries. So now, Kelly, government watchdog agencies, including the Government Accountability Office, has for years been recommending that the Department of Health and Human Services remove Social Security numbers from paper Medicare cards in an effort to fight fraud. And then back in April, President Obama signed a bill that provides $320 million in funding to remove Social Security numbers from Medicare beneficiary ID cards within the next four years. With that said, do you think the Medicare Common Access Card Act of 2015 has traction to actually get passed by Congress and signed into law, and why? Marianne, that's a great question, and I think the timing right now is really important. The bill that was passed that President Obama signed into law that takes the Social Security number off the front of the Medicare card had been in the works for about 15 years. Government knows that they need to shore up their networks and shore up their systems and certainly take Social Security numbers and stop using them as the primary identifier for beneficiaries. And that process had taken a long time to get that passed and signed into law. But I think now that we've moved into the digital era and we're looking at everything becoming electronic from your bank cards to your healthcare records and everything in between, we have an obligation at this point to really protect information that's being put out there and the government is requiring to be out there in the common space. Having said that, when we look at how we've seen so many different breaches happen over the last several years where data is just becoming widely available Locking down information and giving the users the key to control that information is really important. And that's what the Medicare Common Access Card attempts to do. So give me a very brief overview of what is being proposed in the Medicare Card Bill. So the legislation that was introduced both in the House and the Senate, in the Senate, so we have two bills that are identical, in the House by Congressman Peter Roscom, who chairs the Oversight Subcommittee on Ways and Means, and his partner in this effort is Congressman Earl Blumenauer from Oregon, opposite ends of the ideological spectrum, but looking at this in, in a common way to say, how can we do something that starts the ball rolling to create better security for beneficiaries, but just as important, accountability in the Medicare system. The bill, as it was introduced, calls for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid to do three 
regional pilot programs to implement a secure Medicare card. And that card would be very similar to the card that's being issued today by the financial services industry. Folks are getting in the mail uh, new payment cards, whether it's a credit card or a debit card, those cards are coming and they have chips on the front of them. And the reason the financial services industry has introduced the chips into the market is to better protect transactions. And so what is being proposed in this bill is using a similar card within Medicare to better protect the Medicare transactions. Today, according to the GAO, Improper payments government-wide, it's a staggering number, $187 billion this year. Of that, 48% of those are attributed to Medicare. So we really need to be doing something to shore up the Medicare system to make sure payments are going to legitimate providers for legitimate services that are being provided. And what this bill attempts to do is put in place a pilot program that would test how we can start doing that by creating a better accountability and with the beneficiary and the provider. So with that said, what sort of technologies might be used in these new cards and how would they work? So the card itself, as I mentioned, would incorporate a secure computer chip. And that chip, again, very similar to what the financial services industry is rolling out today, would store the beneficiary Medicare identity number, which we're now transitioning from a Social Security number to a different number. But what that would enable Medicare to do would be to electronically verify that the beneficiary actually saw the provider. Today what happens is when the beneficiary goes to see a provider or goes to the doctor, they fill out a form and the folks that are doing the administrative work in the office type in those forms, type in the person's Medicare number, which is again the Social Security number, and then they send that form off to be paid by Medicare. There's no connection or authentication process that happens between the beneficiary themselves and the provider office that's giving them the service or in some cases medical equipment or prescriptions. And so what we're trying to do is create that link, which creates a chain of trust to say, yes, we definitively know that this Medicare beneficiary saw this provider and these transactions were performed. And so now we can pay that provider more quickly for that beneficiary visit. And two, we definitively know that this is a legitimate transaction. And really what it is is modernizing the payment system within Medicare so that it more reflects accountability and a chain of trust that really we see happening in other areas and in particular financial services. Would the new cards then require doctors and hospitals to make technology investments to use these new cards for processing transactions? And how long might it take the healthcare system to update their technology to handle these cards? Under the pilot program, anyone that is participating in the pilot, any infrastructure that would be needed would be paid for. We anticipate that there will be a card reader that providers will have to have to to read the new chip-based Medicare card. But as we move forward, and let's say the pilot goes forward and it's successful, and HHS decides that we could save some money by rolling this out nationwide, our expectation is because the financial services industry is making this transition today, and all those providers that accept credit cards are going to be getting new credit card readers to read the chip-based credit cards, they can use that reader to now also read the Medicare cards. The reader has software in it and brains in it that could say, oh, I now am seeing a financial services card. I process it in this way. I'm now seeing a 
Medicare card and I'm going to send that information off to CMS and it will know how to route that information depending on which card is being presented. So I think what we really would like to see is CMS leverage the significant investment that's being made by the financial services industry to help shore up Medicare. We feel like this is the time is right now to start talking about this, to start testing this, and really ride the wave that the transition in the financial services industry is going to have over the next couple of months. Now, you mentioned a lot of the positive things about upgrading the Medicare cards to use this updated technology. Are there any cons, any negatives to this that you think opponents will use to fight against this bill? You know, we really haven't heard much opposition at this point. You know, we know the provider community has a lot on their plate, certainly with the transition to electronic medical records and ICD-10 and some of the other requirements that have been put on them. And so we want to be sensitive to that and we want to minimize what they're going to have to do in this process. But I think really at the end of the day when we look at this, the transition to an electronic era is, is happening all around this. When you can go to the farmer's market on a Saturday and the guy there has his mobile device and is able to accept your credit card on the spot, why aren't we doing that in ways that could enhance and improve the way government functions? And I think there's just no excuse at this point for us not to be looking at ways that we can save money, that we can improve the quality of care, and we can better protect patients and protect their electronic information. The other piece of this is cybersecurity is really a critical issue. And making sure that networks are protected and payment transactions are protected is going to be increasingly more important. And so I think folks that have concerns certainly have voiced them in a way to say, we recognize there are benefits. Can we work through whatever those concerns would be? And I think one of the major concerns that we certainly have heard is somebody forgets their card, would they be denied service? And I think the reality of it is is CMS is never going to have a policy that denies anyone's service. So while you may not have your card, they may process that payment to that provider in a different way because it hasn't been authenticated, but nobody is, is intending to deny anyone's service. Now, as far as you know, have any of the private insurers for health coverage implemented these cards for their beneficiaries? We haven't seen that transition roll out in private insurance because think about the way private insurance works. And actually, I keep using the financial services analogy, but it really is a good one in this case. So if Visa and MasterCard and American Express and Discover all moved forward and decided, I'm going to use different types of technology, each provider would have to have different reader infrastructure to read that technology. And so why the banking system works is because they all agree to use the same type of infrastructure, and that's how we're getting this transition to chip-based cards in the financial services space. If we see what would need to happen on the insurance side for that to be effective would essentially be the same thing. The insurers would have to all agree we're going to process transactions in the same way. And frankly, that we haven't got to that point yet. What we have seen, though, in the U.S. is we have seen healthcare systems, hospitals with clinics attached to them that are using smart card solutions to better identify who their patients are, and attach that identity to an electronic medical record so they're pulling the right record associated with the right individual. And hospital systems that are doing that typically have found that they have a significant cost savings because they're no longer having to go through and deduplicate records that they have in their system. 
So we recognize that there are cost savings that are happening, are happening really down at the health system level, not necessarily happening at, at a large insurance company level. I think the other part I would want to add to that is when we look at what I'll call government-run healthcare systems, and that's really what Medicare is. It's a government-run healthcare insurance system. When we look across the globe, and, and we're talking about France, Germany, Taiwan, Slovenia, South Africa just announced they're implementing a, a healthcare card, they all use some sort of healthcare authentication mechanism, typically a smart card, to verify transactions because they have to know that they're attributing payment to, one, the right person, and to the provider that provided the service. A lot of countries, uh, Estonia is a great example, they just don't have the luxury of being able to have inefficiency in their system, so they have to be accountable. And I think in the U.S., when we look at Medicare and we look at the improper payments rate and we look at some of the fraud that is being attributed to that program and we look at where Medicare is headed, what the financial realities are for that program and how long it can sustain itself, I think it's very easy to say, you know what, let's first try to make it more efficient and make sure the payments are going in the right place and that we're reducing fraud so that when we get to having to cut the program, the first thing we do is we stop paying people who shouldn't be paid. And I think that's why we're seeing support on both sides of the ideological spectrum for this type of initiative because we're not talking about cutting benefits to people that really need them. We're talking about making the system more efficient. And I think certainly members of Congress are very supportive of that idea. Now, would you anticipate that the cards would just need to be swiped with the chip or would the beneficiary need to enter a PIN? A change in language that we'll start we'll start to learn as, as more of the financial services cards rolled out, the, the term swipe is going to go away. <laughs> We're now going to do what they call dip. So you're going to insert the card into the reader as opposed to swiping it. When you insert the card into the reader, then the chip is red. And typically, you leave the card in the reader while that process is going on as opposed to just a quick swipe through the side. So just a little change in semantics so people start to understand how the process works. The bill envisions there would be a PIN code associated with the card. And the reason the authors wanted to do that is, again, to create more accountability. So we want to make sure that there are what we call two factors of authentication, something you have, the card, and then something you know, a PIN code, so that if I lose my card or I drop my card on the ground, somebody else can't use that card without my consent as the beneficiary. I think the other piece of that, too, is that we've seen situations where providers have been billing the system using beneficiary identities, and really this is an effort to stop that process because we want to make sure that that beneficiary is actually present and consenting to the transaction so that uh, billing just can't continue without their knowledge or consent going forward. So the PIN is really a key piece of this that will help shore up and create accountability in the system. What will these cards do in terms of helping beneficiaries not become victims of ID theft? Great question and, and a really important piece in all of this because we know seniors are the most at risk for identity theft and fraud. And the Federal Trade Commission has done studies looking at this that I think show we really need to spend some time helping beneficiaries protect themselves. And so what these cards do is it one, we are taking the Social Security number off of the front of the Medicare card, and that, as we mentioned earlier, that 
process is already taking place within CMS. But be creating an electronic mechanism allows the information, whether it's the Social Security number or the Medicare account number of that beneficiary to be protected. So by storing it securely on the chip, their information isn't widely available. In order to read that card, you have to have an authorized reader that has the security package from CMS loaded onto it, and it says, yes, you insert the card in the reader. I recognize this card. It's part of my system, and now I'm authorized to read it because the beneficiary has entered their PIN code. So it gives layers of security to a process that today has no security at all. And I think that's one of the reasons we've seen AARP come out and endorse this bill and say this is something we think is important for protecting seniors and preventing identity theft. What's the status of the bill? The bill's been introduced. Co-sponsors are beginning to sign on to the bill. We do know that the Ways and Means Committee on the House side is looking at some Medicare reforms in the hospital space. There is a possibility that this bill could be considered as part of that effort. We know that on the Senate side, the Senate Finance Committee is having a hearing on improper payments, looking at the GAO report that we mentioned earlier, attributing the improper payments number numbers government-wide. And so we think that there is some opportunity here to talk about this important piece of legislation, and it's really one of the few pieces of legislation out there that creates a step forward and a solution and basically a pilot program. Let's try it. Let's see if this is going to work. We know Medicare is unique. We know it's not like any other government-run insurance system anywhere in the world. And so let's see if this is going to work in Medicare, and let's, let's try it and report back to Congress and let them know that there's cost savings to be had or there's not. But we have to start doing something because the situation isn't getting any better. Unfortunately, it's getting worse. Thanks, Kelly. I've been speaking to Kelly Emmerich. I'm Marian Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.